Coming up on Back in My Play, we got something a little bit different for you this week. It's actually one of the test runs for a brand new series that's going to be coming every single month, exclusive to Patreons, and it is going to be a live show. I want to think about it as like Back in My Play at recess. Like It's going to be myself and a guest plus the live audience of Patreons where we can pretty much direct the discussion wherever we want to take it. And I think this is really great because we get to hit on a bunch of smaller subjects that aren't necessarily you know, possible on a whole episode, if that makes sense. And in this episode, we get to talk about a bunch of things like, you know, the best games on the 32X. Maybe we can actually do an episode on that later. Uh, we also end up talking about repros. You know, JRPGs worth going back to right now in 2017. Also, mid-gen consoles. So we got some current-gen stuff mixed in there as well. And also, something that I definitely want to circle back on, bad games with great soundtracks. All right, so think about that. I want you to contemplate that for a little bit. We also talk about uh, the Xbox, and this is something that I'm starting to brainstorm because last year we did the Summer of Dreamcast. This year, we're going to be doing the Summer of the Original Xbox, and I'm super pumped because doing research for this, I'm like, oh my God, Like we're going to do at least four episodes on this because the Xbox was uh, obviously a great console, and I had one. It was awesome, but like, there's reasons to start collecting for it, and we'll get into that very soon this summer. So I hope you enjoy this. And again, this is going to be coming every single month for, for patrons where myself and guests, we will do a live uh, video on YouTube where you can really direct the conversation. You can do your input on the fly and uh, also be included in the discussion, which I think is really, really awesome. So uh, thank you to everyone that showed up for this test run of it. And I thought it came out great for everyone else. New details on the Patreon stuff is going to be coming out early this week, probably on Tuesday at the latest on Wednesday. All that stuff is ready to go. I'm just, you know, getting some pre-production stuff ready for for you. But I'm really giving this uh, a really strong go. And I'm hoping that, you know, the Back of My Play audience sees value in what I'm trying to do and is able to support not only the show, but also myself so I can continue to expand Back of My Play because I absolutely love doing it. And I want to give you guys even more of what you love from back in my play. So that is super, super exciting. I can't wait to share that with you. Uh, but until then, uh, you can still check out patreon.com slash back my play, back my play.com. And I'm going to stop talking. Let's just hang out. Let's talk about some retro video games. And now the next two weeks, we're going to be doing back to back game episodes. So next week, we're going to be doing Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo right in lineup with the release of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Nintendo Switch. And then the week after that, we're going to be doing Ghouls and Ghosts on the Sega Genesis. This is something we talked a little bit about on that Mercs episode. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, it's time to do Ghouls and Ghosts. So Greg Stewart and Peter Brown is going to join me for that. And for Super Mario Kart, we're going to have CJ and we're going to have Joshua Hillier. So I'm pumped for, for that. But I'm going to stop talking. Let's get into the retro discussion. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for your support and for tuning in to Back in My Play. Let's get to it. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and joining me for this very special episode, an episode that is dedicated not just to the incredible listeners of this show that have written in and let us know what they want us to talk about on this episode, but also the incredible people hanging out in the chat as we do this live on YouTube. That special guest is Greg Seward of Generation Dash 16 and the Player One podcast, which also sometimes talks about video games, but usually just the Nintendo Switch. 
Well, there are video games on the Switch. There is. There's there's a good game on the Switch. There's uh, Legend of Zelda, I think it's called, uh, on the Nintendo That's Switch. Okay. Yeah, I call it maybe the third best Zelda ever made. Maybe the fourth. It is. But uh, actually, we will somewhat discuss the Switch because uh, there has been uh, some interesting stuff that has been uh, circling around the rumor mill, especially with uh, the... Secret Armana or the uh, second Densetsu collection that's coming out in Japan and follow-up questions that companies are getting on, uh, where is the virtual console? Or maybe what we won't get is the virtual console, but we will get these individual releases like they are planning when they roll out their internet service. So, Greg, I got a lot of things I want to talk about with you, but uh, I do need to start with discussing how to give away this NES Classic Edition that I have here on my table. Um, It's been sitting next to my desk for months, and I think it is now finally time to to give it away. It's it's brand new, never open. It's still got that Chinese plastic smell to it. It Smells good. Uh, Maybe some black dog hair on it, but that's like (laughs) increases the value. So I still can't believe that these are, A, hard to buy. Like, they're getting easier to buy, but, like, GameStop is putting these in a bunch of bundles and all that crap. Uh, And still, you cannot get a controller for it. So this is the third NES Classic Edition I have because I have a second one that I literally have just the controller taken out of it. (laughs) Because thank you, Nintendo, for making the controllers. I mean, maybe you should have charged $15 instead of 10 and made more of them. But we're not going to, we're going to be positive because this is back in my play. Somebody's, somebody somewhere is lying on a pile of uh, NES Classic controllers. Yeah, they're hiding somewhere. Uh, so the way that we're going to give this away is uh, in the month of May, we're going to be doing a episode that is a mailbag episode. The, Console Launch Memories episode was a huge blast to do, and I want to follow that up and probably do one of these like every two months where we just get a lot of listener involvement in the show because you know there's only so many times I need to hear about Greg's story on how he got his you know Game Boy or something like that. Like I want to hear. It's actually a pretty good story, but yeah, it, it's a pretty good story. But I've already heard it once or twice, even though I've already wiped it from my memory. So. I want to be able to give this away, and I think the cool thing that we haven't really discussed a lot on this show, it's come up a couple times, but the 32 and 60-bit wars of the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, as we're dealing with the PlayStation 1, the Sega Saturn, and of course, the Nintendo 64. So what I would like is to not necessarily do just your console launch memories. I want your war stories. I want to hear about being in the trenches in the 32 and 60 bit war times when people were saying, no, I'm going to wait until the Nintendo 64 comes out. I'm going to wait because they're going to have better games. They're going to have such a deep library and releases are going to be coming out every single week. And who wants to buy a Sony console? Like they, all they do is they make like CD players and, uh, you know, hook on the Super Nintendo. Like, they don't know how to make games. And then there's Sega that, you know, announced their stuff way too early and forgot how to make good hardware until the Dreamcast came out. So, or good 3D hardware, sorry. Until the Saturn Dreamcast is actually more powerful than the PlayStation. 
when it comes to 3D. Okay. And you don't want to hear it. No, it's true. It's true. You look up the specs, it can push more polygons than a PlayStation. Okay. I was talking with John uh, from Digital Foundry quite a bit today about the 3D capabilities of that hardware and the crazy things that they had to do to stream in backgrounds on the Saturn to make it look pseudo 3D. But hey, Duke Nukem 3D looked pretty good on it. But that's, that's... we, we, we got to talk about these rules. So to, to get entry into this, I'm, I'm going to be willing to ship this worldwide. I'm going to be willing to do that. But wow, um, I'm saying it's 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 only if you win it. If you win it and you live in Germany, I'll ship it to Germany uh, because that's the kind of person I am. And the way that we're going to give this away is that you must do a couple things. One, you must email Kevin at backofmyplay.com with your war stories from the 32 and 60-bit console wars. I need to know that. I need to know what side you're on. I needed to know why you were on that side. And I want to know where you ended up. Where did you end up once the wars were over? Saturn. Okay, that's that's good for you, Greg. You can't enter into this contest. Uh. So I need to know where you ended up. Those are going to go to Kevin at backofmyplay.com. Dot com. So you can get a second entry. You can get a second ticket into this entry if you are a Patreon. So note if you're a Patreon or not. I will be checking these before I put them into the ram- random number generator. So you must let me know if you're a Patreon or not. I'm going to check it in my list of active Patreons. Not if you got a payment declined. We're not doing that. But if you're an active Patreon, we'll do that. So you could get two if you're a Patreon supporter of this show. And then I'm going to do this drawing when we do the show, which will probably be the first or second week of May. And I will ship it out and I'll put all this stuff in an Excel spreadsheet and do a random number generator and we will figure it all out that way. So I will be upfront. There is not like a billion people that listen to this show. This isn't Retronauts with 4 million listeners. This is a show that has like, let's call it like a hearty, 6,000 if we're talking... A dedicated 6, 000, crowd. Yeah, 6,000 if we're talking Sega stuff, 10,000 if we're talking Nintendo stuff. So that we, hurts. We, yeah, I know, I know. It is it's the way it is. But um, yeah, get those in. Kevin at backofmyplay.com. And I want your, your memories. And uh, also, if you want, you can also submit them via MP3. Just make sure it's cleaned up. Make sure it has a, you have a good microphone. If it sounds terrible, then I'm just not going to be able to use it on the show. But I'd like to get more involvement from the audience. So there's, there's that. And... I like to give it away. So now I want to get started, and I'm going to toss it off to you, Greg, so we can start uh, going into some chat stuff. But the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, believe it or not, the 32X, because this is something that I I don't know if I've necessarily been curious about. Like, I got my Sega CD. I got a really nice racked setup with all my consoles. It even fits the the cancerous-looking 30, uh, not 32X, the Sega CD that's sticking out of the side of my just sickly produced and crafted Model 1 Sega Genesis with its high-definition graphics. But I need you to be somewhat... I don't want you to be Ethan talking about the Switch here. I want you to be... Uh, what's what's the word? I want you to be... Uh, rational? Rational, objective. In 2017, if people have never played a 32X... Are there reasons to go uh. back to it? And what games would you pick up? And I'm going to also include, after you finish talking, some people that have tweeted in about it as well. In 2017, I mean, the systems are cheap. 
So that's something. Okay. But it's really, it's more of an oddity. The only thing that I can say 100% certain is you're not, as far as I can remember, you're not going to find a better home version of Virtual Racing Deluxe, Virtual Racing in general. Okay. I know that's kind of, you know, I don't know that that's enough to set the world on fire, but... Never a Sega um, Ages for that, huh? Uh, there was it was released as part of one of those uh, f- like throwback discs, I think, on the PS2. Yeah, but I, I want to say bad, that it wasn't like the bad. It wasn't one. It was good. Like, yeah, it was like the they uh, they did those Sega Ages like two thousands on. Yeah, and those were terrible. They're like redone versions of those games. Like, don't right. pick those up. I don't remember for sure, but I mean, there are some decent games on it that you're not going to get anywhere else. So that's really the only reason. I mean, you've got it, it's it's very much an oddity over and over. Okay, um, like you've got Doom, uh, cartridge version of Doom that was actually programmed by John Carmack. That's, that's something. true. That's actually brought up in the fantastic book by uh, David Kushner on Masters of Doom. Yes. Yep. Uh, Knuckles Chaotix, sort of the lost Sonic game. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow Squadron. Cool shooter. Okay. Is that a, um, like a vertical or horizontal shooter? It was, I think it's, um, I think it's f- like isometric, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. Okay. Um, and uh, some viewpoint like action. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Star Wars Arcade, home version of Star Wars Arcade. Okay. Really, really difficult. So, you know, and the earliest version of Virtual Fighter that was actually a 3D port, not uh, not the 2D junk that they did on the Master, on the Mega Drive. That's so, right. I mean, you know, it's, that, no, there is no reason to go out and spend tons and tons of money on a 32x. I can't, I can't defend it like that. But okay, it's it's an oddity. I mean, I personally, being a big Sega fan, I've got what uh, about fifteen games for it. Some of them I have just because they were really cheap, and I've got them. And some of them I have because they're the reason to have the system. How many how many Sega CD 32x games do you own? I own um, about four. Corpse Killer is one of them. No. Um, Night Trap's one of them? Night Trap is definitely one of them. Hang on a sec. I got to go find out what the other ones are. Yeah. I'm like, I, I still need to actually figure out what, like, is it just better video resolution if yes. you do that th- for yeah. real? Well, I mean, with Night Trap, it's a little bit different because Night Trap is kind of an interesting story in that, you know, if you remember correctly, Night Trap was taken off the shelves. Right. And it's still a disc, right? It's not like it comes with a cart yeah, and a it's disc. It's still a disc. Okay. Yeah. It's just using I mean, the extra if, horsepower. If you want to wait a minute, I can actually go get my the, the games and show them to you. But yeah, why don't um, you go get them and I'll uh, all right. bring up some Hang stuff from the, the Twitter audience. So I asked the same question on, on Twitter because I'm trying to round things out to a certain extent before, um, you know, I could p- be potentially moving and it's not like stuff I'm going to pick up right away, but. I want to just see if there's anything that I also want to cover because I'm trying to get everything in some Tupperware before I end up moving. So, um, you know, people did bring up like uh, Matthew uh, Lee said uh, he owns a 32X, best version of Virtual Fighter, Afterburner, and Virtual Racing. Uh, that's pretty. That's a pretty solid lineup. Um, a lot of people brought up uh, Knuckles Chaotix, which is, uh, Chad says, which is pretty underrated, I feel. And it looks good, stacked on top of the Gen 1 and a CD You're darn one. right. Yeah, that is a That's, tall tower. I got that sitting right to my left. That is a tower of power. <laughs> that is one of the most beautiful consoles you'll ever see in your life. 
I don't know about nope. that. Um, not fighting over that. Michael Powell says Star Wars arcade for sure. Uh, also, yep. perfect conversions of Afterburner and Space Harrier first. Right, right. Good I forgot call. about that. Colibri is another good one. Um, you'll, you definitely want to check that. Like I said, more oddities than anything else. There's nothing. You're not getting like a, a Sonic or a Mario level. Like, oh my god, I gotta have this. Well, E uh, E formerly of of Microsoft says because Genesis does what Nintendo don't. That's a that's, always a good reason. Yeah. Um, Super blast processing. Wait, he's a VP of technology at Pokemon. You are listen. Just relax. But I, I didn't know. I didn't realize where, where E ended up going. Um, and also on uh, Sergio says, it's cheap and has great ports of two of my all-time favorite games, Mortal Kombat 2 and NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Those are yes. both fantastic reasons. Yep. Yep. So, Greg, what do you have uh, with you right now? So, Okay. They're all digital pictures because they were really the only ones who were doing this. So, uh, oh, those cardboard boxes. That's right. Slam City with Scotty Pippen. Yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah. I got um, a Scotty Pippen jersey not 10 feet from me right now. Nice. Uh, Supreme Warrior. Okay. Another full motion video fighting game. And Night Trap. So, this was the updated version of Night Trap. So, Ooh, the you're not going to be able to see. Dana Plato version. Yeah. So, the thing is, like, if you, if you, Look at oh, wow. images like of the original screen. Night Trap. Exactly. That, that's so. There's two things happening with the 32x. One is that the the color palette is like I think some x thousands of colors it can show. Okay. Higher resolution and it can play much bigger video uh, windows. Now on the Sega CD, it actually got better as the life of the system went on. They figured out tricks to show more than postage stamp video, but uh, it never got full screen. I don't think uh, it did, but it didn't look very good. And I have one other one. Okay. And this is one of the few that you see. This was one of the hybrid games. That's right, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. So I always love these cases because they just mix the whole blue and yellow spine. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game, there were a couple others. There's one I think only released in Brazil. I forget which that one it was. That is kind of like a that is a like a light gun game, right? Where you have a hose and you're putting out fires. I remember that in the it's arcade. Basically, I think it's the same type of engine as um, Tomcat Alley. Can I see the back? Yeah, but it's all it's all just still images of the video. It doesn't show you the HUD at all. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, so the cool thing about this is, and I don't have the games in here, they're in a CD wallet, but it came with two discs. One was the Sega CD disc, and one was the 32X disc. Wow. So, yeah. What a value. Um, yeah, the value proposition is is absolutely there. And that's... Um, you know that that's a good point. Sergio brings up that would be that would definitely be a system seller for me is is having like perfect arcade ports of those Midway games back in the the day just because of how rough even the Super Nintendo versions they were sh- of, they were huge yeah and they like, were huge games uh, NBA Jam TE which uh, the Sega CD has a pretty good version of that game too yes yeah with really kind of dope music so maybe you actually should go I gotta pick up NBA Jam for the Sega CD. I could be wrong about the 32x being cheap. By the way, I don't know if the console's cheap. I know that they are. I like there are a lot of them that are failing, but they're kind of easy to fix. Okay, so well, that's good. At least it doesn't have like a lens that you need to replace or anything no. like that. Um, no. Yeah, it looks like no one from the chat is really super passionate about the 32x, but um, people looking for you know ways to. Uh, ease a divorce through the purchase of a copy of Zelda and a Huffy bike. You know, there's definitely, you could always bring that back up again. 
I don't know. I think you're on that episode. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, it was on Link's Awakening. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe I almost want to at like some point do some sort of like like every eight weeks, like go back and on all the feedback that I got from those episodes because people do post stuff on the website. They they send out tweets and they post on the Patreon page, and got lots of of feedback like. Uh, Chris Kanigi was was really mad at us for not. He's like, what, like you didn't have anyone on the show that liked Link's Awakening. I didn't know that was going to be the case. I thought, <laughs> and it's not that we disliked it. It was just like we saw some frustrations in it. Like, uh, yeah. I, I still liked quite a bit about Link's Awakening. There's a reason why I bought it so many times when I was a kid and went through the lengths of renewing my subscription of Nintendo Bar. Like I wasn't going to do that anyways. Um, all right, so that's cool. That was one of the first things that I wanted to to talk about. But uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up, and again, you know, if you're in the chat, you want to uh, fill in some of these blanks because I'm sure my mind is not going to be able to get all this stuff together. But this is something that came up with John when we recorded that episode earlier today is, um, you know, I have a, a firm belief, like even like right now, you should be making sure that if you care about the PSP, if you care about the Nintendo Wii, the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, like you should be making sure that you're finding the games that you want for that console right now because things are going to get nuts for that system. Um, but I believe uh, there's also going to be quite a bit of an uptick in original Xbox hardware and games very soon because there are quite a few games of that generation that just ran best on that hardware. And also you had the ability to do some really cool stuff like the system link through network, uh, the network adapter that was built in to every console. That stuff still works and people are still doing tunneling today to play games like Halo 1 and, and Time Splitters 2 on the the internet actually i don't know if it's time time splitters 2 it might be time splitters 3 that people are playing most likely it's uh, future perfect but um i would like to have a little bit of a discussion uh, about this of like all right if, if you're kind of starting from zero and you're like yeah i really either missed out on the xbox or i really want to uh make sure I have that stuff for, for down the road. Like what games would you want to have in your original Xbox library? Just because, uh, you know, along with that, the back compat on the 360 wasn't necessarily what it's like for the 360 games on the Xbox one. A lot of times, like those games actually ran worse on Xbox, yeah. uh, 360 it was all software, right? It was all, it was all software just like it is on the Xbox one, but it just yeah. wasn't very good. Like it, it was right. a big, transition uh from what was like a pentium 3 chip in the original xbox to power pc chips that were in the xbox 360 like it was a much harder transition for them to do mm -hmm. where you know on the xbox one it's like they're it's like magic especially with what they're uh, gonna be potentially able to do with the scorpio on xbox 360 games that might be like the best way to play 360 games very very soon but if you're going to build a collection and, and Greg, you don't need to give me like a huge list, but I have a list in front of me of games that I would make sure I have in that collection for my original mm -hmm. Xbox, along with, of course, four controllers, all S controllers, not the Duke. I'm not a Duke apologist. I'm going to have, I'm going to have S controllers. Um, and I'm also going to have the clear halo edition, clear green halo edition Xbox. Cause that's cool. Unless I am somehow able to get one of those Panzer Dragoon, crystal clear ones from Japan. 
I'm asking I, you what games you. Oh, have. sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize that the question was there. That you it, it's, it's, the it's, it was back there um, at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, there's a fair amount. I mean, you can go into it looking at the stuff that uh, that played better on the Xbox, but really, there are actually a decent amount of good exclusives on that system. And there's two series that popped to mind almost immediately. One is Rally Sport Challenge. Really, really great racing games that I wish Microsoft has continued the franchise on. And the other one is Mech Assault. Mech Assault 1 and 2. Mech, I don't know if you've ever played those, but Mech Assault was basically Battletech. Oh, so good. And they were so good um so i mean right off the bat those are two that that i think of but i mean yeah like you can go through and there's a fair amount of good stuff there's a lot of sega stuff that wasn't on any other console mm-hmm. uh gun valkyrie is the first one that springs to mind panzer dragoon orda is another great one um the burnout games burnout three takedown i think Hell is probably yes. the one you'd want yep someone in the so chat good. also uh mentioned that as well let me find it Real quick, uh, FlexCore mentioned Burnout Takedown as well. Yeah, that was, yeah. oh my God, that game was yeah, so good. it was so great. Um, the Blinks games, they're kind of different. You're not going to find them anywhere else. Um, it's like not, you're, gonna, you're not going to find Scotty Pippen Slam Masters either. Exactly. Um, Forza, of course. Oh, and of course, Project Gotham, the Project Gotham racing games. Um, they were quite good as well. You think those would be worth going back to? Any old racing game like that, you kind of like, eh, they're good. But yeah, I mean, they were they were outstripped pretty fast by new consoles. So, sure. you know, it's it's more of a that's more of a collector's thing. Uh, but talking about racing games, Midtown Madness Three was on there as well. That was a really cool mm-hmm. little game. Um, just running through here. Oh, the Ninja Gaiden games were those on PlayStation Two? Ninja Gaiden Black was yes. Okay, Ninja Gaiden um, uh, Two was on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Okay. The Oddworld games as well. Munch's Odyssey and Stranger's Wrath. Mm-hmm. Excellent little games. Phantom Dust, apparently. People yep. liked that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a fair amount of cool stuff on there that you can get in. Oh, and of course, um, the Star Wars, um, Knights of the Old Republic. That's true. One to two. Yep. Two was a two was a bit of a mess. One was there. Shenmue 2, you could play that in English. Yes, that was the only way you could play Shenmue 2 in English back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you with English the voice UK. too, yeah, they did English yep. voice that was not on the PAL version. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go on, but those are probably the the biggest ones that are jumping out. And if you want to go crazy and find the controller somewhere, of course, there are the Steel Battalion games. Yeah, I played that at PAX two years ago. That was <laughs> that was still that was still really really cool. Um, yeah, it's very neat. I got to bump into Steve Lubitz when I was in line for for uh, Steel Battalion. That was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the games that really pop into to my head are like sometimes there are going to be not necessarily console exclusives, but you know, you know, run best on Xbox uh, was, mm-hmm. was kind of like a thing that was super real, especially if you had even just like a TV that could do 40p that had component input like games would absolutely like knock your socks off um so like you know i was thinking of games uh specifically like the tony hawk pro skitter games uh Mm -hmm. 3 uh that were that were on there um but also you you already brought out burnout takedown uh time splitters future perfect um is it's so good i really miss that franchise i'm a big sucker for time travel in in games and i just obviously like it was the it was a free radical uh, that that made those games yep. that were free radical, you know, from the 
they had the heritage of the 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 golden eye and imperfect dark games so that was mm-hmm. just like it literally used the same you know shield and health uh display stuff and a lot of the same pros and cons of those uh, previous <laughs> franchises as well but um yeah i love two and in, in future perfect and there's just really no way to play those games today unless you go back because uh i believe unless they rectified this in the last year uh to at the end of its life but they those were never backwards compatible on xbox uh 360 Um, there's a couple other people are mentioning in the chat there, like Psychonauts, Elder Scrolls, Jade Empire. The, the, it, mm-hmm. It's a system that actually had a really decent amount of good Hell exclusive of a games. Lineup. Hell of a lineup. Yeah. yeah, and then like even Nobody like... Nobody thinks about it, but... The, the, PC, you know. the PC ports that were on there, like Elder Scrolls and uh, like you mentioned, like basically Knights of the Old Republic, like you would think to be uh, PC games. Even Half-Life 2, there was like mm-hmm. a really decent port of Half-Life 2. I actually... Uh, I think this might have been when I was modding stuff, but uh, I ended up playing through Half-Life 2 all the way through on the original Xbox. I had some rough load times, but like it was totally Half-Life 2 and it looked awesome on like it was a, a, it was working on a console that came out in 2002. Yeah. It's insane. The only thing that, the only thing wrong with that console really I found was that it was, it was on the market at the exact same time that one of the most popular consoles in history was out there. Sure. Right. I mean, there was no competing with the PlayStation Two, but it, yeah, it's a re- It reminds me a lot of the PSP actually, because a lot of people don't really talk about the PSP being a really great little system with a really good library, but it is. It's there's a great library on that system. Right. And the Xbox is exactly the same. Yeah, and I, I think the other things just along the, the lines of the PC stuff were um, that's how I played through Doom Three. Uh, again, really mm, yeah, impressive Doom Three, and it had co-op. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like this was something that was again for. That you know, seven pound black box, like that was really insane that it was able to do that. And the Return to Castle Wolfenstein games, like just a really good lineup of first person shooters. Um, and also, again, like we haven't really had a new iteration on this, except there was one version on the 360, which was okay. But the NBA Street Series, where two and three were just absolutely, right. you know, incredible. Like, I love NBA, and I played, I went to a summer camp. Uh, with my best buddy uh, Steve back in the day, and I smuggled in with me a TV, a 13-inch TV, and uh, the Xbox, so we could play. We played NBA Street every single night, like whenever we had free time, and we were. How do like, you do that and, and and not get caught? They just like as long as we were going to sleep, like they didn't care. So we played. We played tons of of NBA Street. Um, 
Yeah, and again, like I'm trying to just run it through like a, a list, and it's just like the best version of MVP Baseball 2005, like the last in the EA uh, baseball games, which were just so far superior to what 2K was doing at the time. Uh, like it was a complete, you know, yin and yang of, uh, you know, basketball was way better on uh, 2K and mm-hmm. baseball was way better on uh, the EA EA brand, but... Crimson Skies is another one that's worth bringing up. Oh yeah, Crimson Skies. Yeah. Uh, th- again, nothing. That's the thing. You could go on and on, really. I know, but this is what is. I wouldn't have thought this is what I'm trying yep. to say. Is like you go back and you actually look at this list of stuff, and you're you're like, whoa, there actually was. Like you could probably have like thirty really good, like good, really uh, worth either owning exclusives. Games. Yeah, either they're exclusives or the best versions, the best versions of those games. Correct, and they're like they're not available on PC. Like there's yeah. lots of these games that just there isn't a PC version, or they're so old, like they just they were not supported enough to continue to run on current mm-hmm. uh, hardware of the of the day. And then there's also weird stuff like Metal Gear Solid Two uh, that got a yep. port on the Xbox, and it was it looked better and it had all that extra content. Uh, I wonder if uh, I, I I always I don't really remember. I wonder how the GTA games ran because they were they all were released as a bundle, right? And they all supported uh, uh, at least component. I, would, I don't know if they did 720 yeah. on that stuff, but like, oh man, Escape from Butcher Bay. Somebody Julesy in the chat channel just mentioned the Chronicles of Riddick game. Yes, uh, the game was so good, and just like that was the stuff that I could show to my roommate who had a PlayStation Two, like a punk i could show him look at all this awesome stuff that i'm doing on my xbox like sure i know you got grand theft auto like a year early you have metal gear 3 which looks cool but i don't want to eat snakes and you have a good lineup of exclusives for that hardware but like games look so much better on xbox and also like you had these exclusives that just could not be touched. Like on PlayStation Two, you were playing Half Life One. I'm playing Half Life Two, mm. bitch. You know what I'm saying? Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's how that's how we, that's how I was in college. I was pretty I was pretty raw uh, back in the day <laughs> in college. And there's somehow a version of Call of Duty Three on the original Xbox. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I could kind of go through this. For, forever but yeah there's just so many good games and i just have so many good memories of the original xbox magazine and all those demo discs that i had and like getting to play like uh hunter the gathering was a demo that i played uh, a lot and a game that ended up not coming out here in the states but it came out in japan but it was on a demo disc as i mentioned in the previous episode if you're listening to this after the fact but it was on a demo disc that was on official xbox magazine only came out in Japan though from from software Metal Wolf Chaos. Yeah, I remember that name. Do you, do you know about this game? Not really, no. Okay, so you are the president and there is a, a terrorist attack and you must suit up in a mech. Uh, oh and, yeah. Yeah, okay. So in the, uh, also I think it was Broken Pixels on the One Up show they did a segment on on this. So if you want to go see some of that footage, I recommend going and seeing Sean Baby and, and Shane yell about president and how that's basically George W. Bush. Although it's our 47th president, it took place in the future. So technically, it's the president after Trump. He's going to have to do all well, the cleanup. The president after after Trump. No, President's, uh, Trump's the 46th, right? Fifth. Okay. Pretty whatever. sure he's the 45th. Whatever. Get out <laughs> from my country. Get out of, get out of here. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, scrolling through the the chat, like you mentioned and you brought up uh, Greg Jade Empire, a game that I never touched, but I remember it was infamous for the IGN like perfect ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, brought up yep. more more wind. Uh, Splinter cells looked just insane, like the dynamic lighting in shadows. Toe Jam and Earl Three. Was that a I don't good know. game? I don't know if it was a good game, but it was a new Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, and that was that was different. Brody brings up uh, this is again if you if you owned an Xbox and you were crazy and you owned like the NFL 2K games where they allowed you to use custom soundtracks, uh, you would have to go through the process. If you owned the CD, you could do it, but you would have to burn it to a CDRW to be able to, for the Xbox to recognize it. If you were going to burn MP3s to a disc, it would no, you only didn't. yeah you did you wouldn't read from a CDR. It would only read from a CDR. Oh, sorry, no, I I used I used actually legit. Yeah, if you used legit, yeah, again, okay, I was sorry. I was like in college and high school, I couldn't afford music, so um, I was going through and like literally <laughs> burning like whatever it was two X, four X CDRWs, did ten tracks, put it onto my Xbox, erase the CDRW, and then rewrite it. Which those were only good for like brutal, like ten or fifteen wipes. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was, but now I'm, I'm really thinking super duper hard about buying an Xbox and buying a bunch of Xbox games. I'm really thinking I about still, it. I still have mine hooked up. My Xbox is still hooked up. Got a copy of Black? Yep. Oh, that's a good game. Oh, man. I just, I, I feel like I could just scroll down this list of releases. It's just, you know, again, best version of everything. Uh, yeah, I miss the Xbox. <laughs> I really do. Um, all right, so I think we can go to the next subject that I have here. Greg, you recently picked up some some old video games that you talked about on the Player One podcast, but I didn't get all the way through the episode. I don't know if there was anything cool that you ended up picking up. I mean, I picked up a few, uh, you know, just older. I'm not really Is this big like into some unlicensed Genesis games or something. Uh yeah, I mean I I picked up some a couple of Sega CD things that I just didn't have in my collection. But yeah, the two games that I think you're thinking of. Um so the first one I got was the Wisdom Tree uh collection. Mm-hmm. Sees the Bible games. That's originally an NES came out of game. Well, this is NES collection, but these are actually the Genesis games. So they came out on the NES first, and then by the mid nineties they were ported over to the Genesis. Is there a UPC on the back of that thing, or is this something like collectors nope. made it's by wisdom tree it was part of a kickstarter so um Jesus. they <laughs> kickstarted they kickstarted something called the arcade aark okay. which is a micro console shaped like an es controller that you plug into your tv and it had um the wisdom tree games on them how much did you but, spend on this 100 bucks oh jesus christ so it's got the bible adventures oh, they would like you saying that the Genesis version of Bible Adventures, uh, Joshua, Exodus, and Spiritual Warfare. It's like going to church through the Genesis. Jesus yes. is speaking through but, I mean, the blast did processing. You, I mean, the thing, the thing is that, I mean, you know, I'm doing Generation 16. I'm not going to be covering unlicensed games so much. Can you open that I, up? Is there a card I am going to be doing, yep, I am going to be doing the Wisdom Tree games because it's actually a pretty interesting story, which I can go, go into here if you want. There's the cartridge. Okay. And... Here is the full color manual. Oh, remember those days? Look at that! Look at that beautiful. 
That's rock Beautiful solid. Full color manual. Um, yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted is again, it's kind of, it's kind of a history piece because, um, probably a lot of people remember unlicensed cartridges on the NES back in the day and they were really hard to find. Ten Gen is the one is the company everyone remembers because they were the ones that were in the massive legal battles with Nintendo all the time. Um, and of course the reason that they were in those legal battles was because of the way they got around the Nintendo the lockout, 10 NES yeah. lockout chip, right? Which was to basically uh, well, they circumvented the chip by by illegally obtaining information about it. Yeah, they went, they basically went to a patent office and yes. said, "We're in a legal dispute. I need to take a look at these documents." And exactly, basically copied what they needed and made a way to zap that chip so they could get around it. Well, no, they didn't zap the chip. So the company you're thinking about that zapped the chip, Comerica. Nope. Well, they might have as well, but it was a company called Color Dreams. Okay, yeah, Comerica had the switch on the back as. As well, that allowed you to like. I had B fifty two and uh, uh, stunt uh, ultimate stunt man, which had a switch on the back. Were, I thought that switch was PAL NTSC. Nope. Uh, okay. it, it was there because there was like two ways to get around the chip, and because there was a revision of the NES that made ah. it so they blocked that version, so they had to make a second way. So depending on what version of the NES you had, you had two different options, and okay. like. It was even worse. Like if the game was dirty, like you wouldn't know. Do I have the switch wrong, or is like because I'm four years old, so I don't know what the hell is going on. Right. So I'd be switching back and forth and blowing on that thing. So anyway, Color Dreams was a company, and you recognize their their games because they're like these really light, like almost lavender. No, not really lavender, but really light blue cartridges. Mm-hmm. And so they were round, and the, that was the way that they were getting past the 10 NES chip. Was when you turn the system on, the cartridge would actually just give spike a little voltage into the chip, right? And, and just sort of knock it out for a second so that the game could play. Um, Nintendo never sued them, because that's not illegal, technically. Um, but Nintendo did go to retailers in general and basically say, if you carry unlicensed NES games, you will not get your stock allocation of, oh, man. Ty- of items from Nintendo. That Mario Mafia back which, in the day. Right, which, of course, was... I mean, that was, that was carrying Christmas for years and years. So I think it's pretty brilliant. Color Dreams had an idea, and the cynic in me says this is all business-related, but they went back, they, they created a subsidiary called Wisdom Tree, and they took some of the, their existing games and they reskinned them as Bible-themed games. And the whole idea was, was that they would sell these through to Christian bookstores and sell their games there. And it's brilliant because for two reasons. One... Christian bookstores have a pretty uh, dedicated audience. That's not something they're not going to be competing with other games on those shelves. They're well two, right? And and two, Nintendo. No company that's right in mind, Nintendo included, is going to go after a Christian bookstore. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not going to threaten Christians. Can't say Jesus. Greg. The church, exactly, because it's just it would be it would be uh, retail suicide. So. So yeah, they ended up doing that, and they released a bunch of games. That, like I said, four or five games, and then by the mid '90s, they ported all of them to the Genesis, and that's what this cartridge is. They also had the lone unlicensed Super Nintendo game in the U.S., which was uh, Noah's Ark 3D. Right, you know, working off that incredible Wolfenstein engine. Wolfenstein engine, but the way they got around the uh, the security chip on the Super Nintendo was Noah's Ark 3D actually looks like uh, Game Genie. So you would put a license cartridge on the top of the game. All right. And then put the whole thing in the system and it would use the 
the chip from the licensed game to get past the lockout Smart. and then play the game. So anyway, Wisdom Tree, that's one of the ones I picked up. Um, funny story, that cartridge doesn't work. Uh, I got a bum cartridge. I haven't been able to play it. <laughs> okay, that's that's really good, solid news. Um, so I've got a new one coming. But there's one other game, too, that I wanted to bring up. I got this yesterday, actually, but I ordered it a while ago. It's called Beggar Prince. Okay. Um, so this is a Chinese uh, RPG that came out on the Mega Drive in uh, 96. Um, and like it was... Brazil? Nope, China. China and Taiwan. So it's in Chinese or it's, it has English translation? Well, it was only in Chinese. It's unlicensed in that nothing there was licensed. Oh, man. You're so, going down a deep, dark hole if you're going to start getting into all these like you know fan translations of Chinese RPGs. Well, the thing is, is that this is by a group called Super Fighter Team. And the thing is, is that um, this is like the, one of the first examples of somebody licensing one of these old games that never came out here, mm-hmm. translating them and then releasing them. This was on, I think, in 2005, um, and it was. It ended up being successful. It ended up showing there's a market for these things. So now you've got things like Pure Solar. These guys have done the uh, right. Legend of Legend of Wukong and Star Odyssey, um, and more and more of these games keep coming out. So Pure Solar this was is kind a of the first game one. Too, or is that a Dreamcast game? Pure Solar's Genesis as well. Okay. They just re-released it as a Dreamcast game. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I finally got my copy. This is actually not bad. I played it for about an hour and a half last night on uh, my Twitch channel. Um, it's basically The Prince and the Pauper is what it's based on. It, actually, the the Chinese name for it, which I don't remember right now, but it literally translates to The New Prince and the Pauper. Super Prince and the Pauper. Um, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, this is, this is uh, a market that is only going to get it's only going to get bigger. bigger. And when we're seeing, like, I feel like this is the third episode in a row that I brought this up, but like the Jaleco 10 and ones and the 22 and ones that they have coming out for the Game Boy Genesis and the Super Nintendo, uh, there could potentially be other uh, developers or people who ever own the rights of this stuff of the past uh, releasing their own multi carts. Absolutely. And I would love to see that. I would love to see it too. And like I talked about this with Phil when we did Mega Man 6, but um, you know, I, I would totally pay 50 bucks for Mega Man 1 through 6 on an NES cart just because it's on an NES cart. And mm-hmm. you know, they have the ability to do it. And I think if they sold like 50,000 copies of these, like they could easily sell 50,000 copies at 50 bucks. Like no problem. Even though it's not a million dollars, it keeps the brand... You know, in our minds, and it also is like cool fan servicey type stuff, right? I just think it's led to this very cool situation where, like, as an example, um, you get things like Police Knots getting translated, a mm-hmm. patch for Police Knots, right? Um, and uh, like, there's something else that I came across the other day through a couple message boards is the unworking designs English versions of like Vi and Lunar and Popful Mail on the mm-hmm. Sega CD. Uh, where they working designs made all those games harder, too hard in some cases. Um, and then, yeah, like somebody just mentioned in the chat, their uh, Paprium, I think is how you, what you say, how you call that, um, which is actually a new original game by the folks that did Pure Solar, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's led to this really cool sort of cottage industry where um, you get to play new games on your favorite old consoles, and some yeah. of them are really good quality. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with this. And I've got Legend of Wukong and Star Odyssey pre-ordered as well for when they do new print runs of those. Um, really, really digging that. I'm not doing so much of the old game collecting anymore because it's just gotten way too expensive. Mm-hmm. But it is cool to be able to pick some of this stuff up. 
Yeah, it is nice to be able to just, you know, have a couple Everdrives and then have, you know, fill in the blanks yeah. with a couple, you know, other yeah. things. Exactly. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think things are gonna get super weird over the next five years, and I am somewhat worried that uh there's gonna be a real, you know, clampdown on some of this stuff. Like I really think, especially when you look at what people are doing on Etsy and on eBay, where they're really just selling their own copies of, or they're selling copies of like Sunset Riders and expensive games that they just reburn ROMs yeah, into I'm another Yeah, I'm not crazy cart. about that. I'm not crazy about that. I know. Well, I'm just saying it's like it, pretty soon, I, I believe they're going to start uh, locking that stuff down a lot harder mm-hmm. and being a little bit more aggressive, especially if, you know, if, you know, some people can, can wake up and at least see that. We'll see what the Seiken Densetsu collection does on the Switch. But I think that might wake up a lot of these companies to be like, oh, we could just put like a couple games on uh, a cart or a disc and sell that and do that instead of going through Virtual Console, which has never really had a return for us. And the Disney Afternoon Collection and Mega Man Legacy Collection show that as well. Um, but there is a market for that. The NES Classic Edition shows that there is a market for that. Yeah, the real question is, is the market big enough for it, right? Because, I mean, Can you I get wonder... an NES Classic Edition? Did I? No, can you? Like, it's like I'm saying, it's so, like those yeah, things are I mean, still sold there's out. Still a question, there's still a question about how many of those th- of those they actually made. Yeah, they, they've sold like a, over a million of them. That's mm-hmm. a lot. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of consoles. And I, I still believe... Uh, it probably will be in September where we're going to have a Super Nintendo uh, collection or what is it? Classic edition as well. That will be coming this year. Yeah, I would think so. Lock it in. Um, Larrabee lock. I want to do a Larrabee lock. I don't, I think some of my, because I I had so many things locked down because of stuff I actually knew about. Um, I think, you know, some of my, some yeah, of my we things all knew quieted. you were full of shit. What are you talking about? What have I ever gotten wrong? No, I, as in those weren't predictions. They were things you knew about. Well, no, actually some of them were predictions, the same but I got one more for you. Um, Shenmue 1 and 2 collection is coming this year. Well, yeah, everybody knows that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you don't know who's making it, though. Um, I assume Sega's involved in some form. Yeah, they like signed the paperwork. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's move on. On and I think what we'll do is we can talk about this last thing that I wanted to bring up, which was, and we'll leave the rest. If you have any questions in the chat, we can bring up anything topics that you want to bring up uh, at the end, and maybe we'll talk about some some newer video games that are out. But I kind of have come back to this idea of soundtracks that you love for games that you don't. Uh, you know, soundtracks that are really really good. And that you might have either never played the game uh, or it's a game that you've just played a little bit. Like I know for a lot of people that never made it through uh, Rondo of Blood, but they can go back and, and listen to that soundtrack a lot. Um, or just trying to see if I could think of any games that are bad but have good, like really good soundtracks. The series you want to mine for something like that is uh, really any of the newer Sonic games. Well, I would I would even say I would disagree with that. I think a lot of the the later uh Sonic stuff has been good, especially the releases on the DS where you had was it um 
what's his name who did the Jet Set Radio soundtracks who I follow on Twitter. I can find him in two seconds. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying is that you find some really fantastic music in a lot of those games, but the quality of the games themselves have not been great in general. Not all of them, but in general. Like As an example, I actually did a video uh, in the past year for um, Sonic 3D Blast on the um, on the Saturn. Mm-hmm. Fantastic soundtrack. Game is pretty meh, but the soundtrack is great. Do you know Sonic R falls in that too? Yeah, absolutely. Weird. Yeah. Actually, it's actually the soundtrack's done by the same guy, Richard Shock. Okay. Um but yeah, it's Hideki uh Naganuma that did the soundtracks for Jetset Radio and Jet Set uh Radio Future. Also did mm-hmm. the soundtracks for uh Sonic uh Colors, I believe. Which yeah. had some great music as well. Um, Super good music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is. Oh, I think it was a decent game. No, it was a decent game. I, I just wanted to 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 bring that up because whenever yeah. we can give uh, him credit for just what he has done for us with again, probably two of the soundtracks that I go back to a ton whenever I'm traveling and doing work on a flight or on a train is Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future soundtracks. Which you know, for some people, they think those games are not good. Um, I believe they are quite good. Um, even future, I believe good. they're. I believe they're rough. Well, I don't know if you play the Vita version. Style. It's pretty good. Um, oh, I don't know, man. I love that. I love those games. But yeah, I don't know if uh, people in the chat can think of anything. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition uh, was brought up. I haven't played that, but I could understand that. That was kind of a, a rather rough game. I might even say uh, I think Halo 5 Guardians has an awesome soundtrack that kind of like saves that game to a certain extent. Well, Castlevania 2. Yeah, that's a fantastic, fantastic. I'd say Zelda 2. I'd say Zelda 2. Like, See, I don't agree with either of those games being bad, but I know you do, and they both have great soundtracks. So You have no idea what I have to deal with next week, Greg. You have no idea the, the army that I'm going to have to defend the not liking Zelda 2 bandwagon with. It's just going to be... An absolute. Don't defend it. It's a good game. Beat. I'm gonna be beat down by men older than me, wiser than me, and more experienced than me. It's gonna be a, a rough show. I am. I am with them. <sighs> yeah, they're in a cool place like Japan. That must be awesome. Um, the world ends with you in the Nintendo DS. I specifically purchased that game based off of the soundtrack, and I own the soundtrack on CD, and I own the game on the DS, but I have not. Uh, played more than like 30 minutes of that game. I still, again, it's it might be that like RBG type syndrome, but unless you're on the caliber of Persona 3, 4, 5, Dragon Quest 8, Dragon Quest 5, um, Final Fantasy 4, man, I wish we had a new version. Of, you know what I would buy on the Switch? Final Fantasy Collection. Get like four or whatever. Get two and oh, three. Oh, God, yes. And get... I mean, shit, I'd just take two and three, like put two and three on a cart for 20 bucks that are just like perfect versions I of mean, the NES no, games. Those, those versions games. have been remade so many times. Really put put like all of them. Get all the cartridges, all the eight and 16-bit versions. Yeah, but there's, there's no reason a translation why they issue. Like they don't have translations for five. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They released all that stuff on Game Boy Advance. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, man, those all translations those games suck are- too. It doesn't matter, right? They're in English. That's be good enough. All those games are available. Oh, yeah. I would totally take... I don't know if you would want to necessarily go back to the NES games, but... I loved... 
I loved the first. I've played through the original Final Fantasy so many times. Really, you couldn't even yeah. turn right. Like you, two like, was rough, okay. but but uh, the original was oh, so good. Wait, like SNES two, like Final yeah. Fantasy two? No, no, four? no, no. The the actual Final Fantasy two. Okay, you played it on like a translated ROM or something? Uh, no, I played the uh, PlayStation one version that came. Oh out. yeah, it came with one and two. That's right. Oh, yeah, man. Th- yeah, those those talk about bad ports. Those are rough. But, those are rough, but also uh, if you're talking Final Fantasy and you have never played the NES Final Fantasy three, really, really good, and the DS game is is a great uh, update for it. Okay, yeah, you I, should play those if you haven't that one especially because it's it's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, again, you know, you want uh, an example of how this stuff should be done. It's like Final Fantasy uh, four was it Final Fantasy four anniversary or whatever it was on the PSP. Just outstanding, yes. brand great, fantastic music, and it had the bonus stuff on there as well. Uh, Flexcore also brings up uh, Anarchy Reigns. Uh, that was wasn't that one of the, um, you know, it was a Sega game. I remember buying that, but I never played it. It was really really cheap. Um, Sega Frontier Two. Yeah, there mm, there are yeah. Sega Frontier games. Ugh. Yeah, there's 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 a couple pretty. Of, yeah, yeah, good looking games. There's a I, there's a lot of really good RPGs that I have soundtracks for that I uh, haven't played the RPGs. Like uh, Final Fantasy V is one of an outstanding soundtrack, and a lot of the stuff I discovered through uh, Final Fantasy uh, Theater Rhythm, which is mm-hmm. I, I yes. absolutely love uh, Curtain Call, which is. Something yeah. you should pick up. It's like fifteen bucks now. Um, so good. Yeah, that's that's really really good. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else on the the top of my head. But I, w- I would even pull in like this is not because I don't want to play it, but Fantasy Star Two has an unbelievable soundtrack, and Four has a really good soundtrack. Um, but I'll just never play those games. The only way to play Fantasy Star Two at this point is a is a translated version of the PlayStation Two release. That lets you. Uh, that doubled the amount of. There was XP, an option yeah. to double the amount of XP, and I think it also reduced the power of the enemies. That's the only way to play that game now. That game is too much of a grind to play nowadays. It's like uh, Fantasy Star Two Easy Type. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's anything else off the the top of my head, or if there's uh, anyone in the chat. Uh, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon on the N64. Yeah, I mean, I would say across the board, like there's no good music on the N64 outside of Nintendo produced stuff, like the yep. like the God, and maybe uh, the Rogue Squadron games. Like Rogue Squadron, like did some magical shit to make that music sound as good as it did on the N64. Yes, so that's good to bring up. Um, all right, maybe that's where we will end this episode in terms of retro talk because I still want to talk about some new stuff because, Greg, we haven't talked a while in uh, about new stuff, but I, I have some new toys. And uh, the first thing I do want to bring up is I did uh, repurchase a PlayStation TV for a whole $39 um, because uh, PlayStation 1 games. This is I bought this exclusively for PlayStation 1 stuff. Is that weird? It's not weird, but the emulation for PlayStation 1 on that thing is not great. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good enough. Um, and we're going to be doing Mega Man 8 on the yeah. Sega Saturn and the PlayStation 1. But since I don't have access to a Saturn and 
to emulate a Sega Saturn, you need uh, like 14 CIA supercomputers. I'm not going to be able to do that. So I'm going to be playing the PlayStation version. Which seems Very to nice. Run, it seems to run fun. Yeah, it's okay. It still says Dr. Wiley. Ah, got it. I, those voices are so bad. I love them. Yeah, they're, it's actually... I played uh, the first half an hour of that game. It's it's not bad, but um, still get to play through Mega Man Seven first, and then we will go to eight. I'm, it's just my way to skip the Mega Man X games altogether because I'm, I'm feeling I'm really not going to enjoy playing through all that stuff. But yeah, I, I do want to do a much more stuff on the PlayStation. And uh, one of the things that I also brought up with uh, a couple people I don't want to bring it up right now, but. Uh, doing some stuff on 32-bit horror games because Benjamin Rivers, friend of both of ours, is uh, obviously a developer of uh, Alone With You and Home, uh, has uh, just some really good insight. Like he imported some of the craziest horror games from Japan on the PS1. Benjamin Rivers has a little cameo in the uh, GDC video I just put up on my channel the other week. Oh, cool. I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's that. And also... Um, I did finish Yakuza 0 this week. I finished... I have yet to play that. 40, I think it was 45 hours to do Yakuza 0. So in the last like two weeks, I finished one game. Like Zelda was 50 hours for me. I was just over 50. And for Yakuza 0, I was at 45. And Yakuza 0, I think, is... Uh, I probably had more fun with Yakuza 0 than I did with Zelda on a condensed basis. Um, but I really love both those games. Those are both at the top of my now game of the year uh, list because I think Yakuza 0 is a game that was strictly made for me. Like it, it feels like it was made <laughs> for my sensibilities and like wanting to do just the absolute most crazy things, but it has that perfect mix of flipping the switch between uh very sentimental and very um being like really serious and then being absolutely insane and funny like kind of what like i think like not everyone's a fan of the show but i was a big fan of scrubs and i, I think scrubs really did that well and also that's a really big important part of the fast and furious movies from you know five six seven and, and now with eight like that was a big thing is being kind of insane in one scene and then being really serious and, and, you know, crying because Paul Walker is driving away in the next. So I don't know. I think you should absolutely play Yakuza zero. I think it might be, I can't tell. I'm, I don't, the farther I get away from it, the more I'm cooling off on Zelda. I, I don't want to say I told you so. No, but not like that but, much. I still believe it. No, might- no, 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 no. I, I'm not saying that I didn't think. I, I, I'm not saying it's not a good game. I'm not saying that I didn't think you enjoyed it. But when you finished it and you declared it one of the best games like of all time, I didn't say that. I never said that. Oh, maybe that was Ethan. Then that was absolutely Ethan Einhorn. I never said. I said either I said way. It- you were you were really really hot on it, and I, I always feel like just in general, and and it's not just Zelda we're talking about here, but I always feel mm-hmm. like you kind of always have to take a step back and cool down a little bit and totally. you know like well i don't review video yeah. games i just play them yeah um so that that's 
And also like it, it was one of the things that I did mention a little bit in like the the feedback from that episode when I was I was on, but like people said like I was insane, but I said it might be the best game that Nintendo has ever made. I still think that's it might what be. you said. I, I don't agree with that. But I yeah. still think it might be the best game that Nintendo has ever made, depending on the metrics that you want to judge that game on. Like I knew I knew you said something crazy and that was what it was. But I said might. I did not say is, and I had not finished it at that point. And I thought like after and I won't talk about spoilers, but everyone knows about the beast, and I think those are the biggest letdowns of that that whole game. Like that is, mm-hmm. like I know you want to break conventions, but man, give me some dungeons, dude. I'm just about to start the third, my third beast in my game. Yeah, and it, they were still, you know, very much like Yakuza Zero and Zelda were both very similar in this. That there were so many parts where I was like. This is insane. This is incredible. This is awesome. I am having so much fun. I cannot believe it could get this crazy and, you know, mix up with... Now, again, talk about games with really good music. Yakuza 0. I purchased the soundtrack for Yakuza 0. It is incredible. It is really good. And it is Sega-ass Sega music, which is... Nice. Yeah. Like, they do something special at Sega um, when it comes to not only that series, but even when you look at, like, something like... uh, Sonic's, uh, you know, racing transformed or like really anything that Sega does is always There's like something r- about Sega music. It still sounds like arcade music, right? Like it still yeah. sounds like it's almost 30, like on a Sega Saturn or something like that. It's really cool. Um, yeah. but now I am, I am kind of with the dilemma of, I got two games in front of me. I got persona five and I have near, uh, automata and, um, it just continues this unbelievable trend of ridiculous Japanese-produced games and the PlayStation 4 just killing everything else that's out there right now in terms of just a killer lineup. Um, but I will say, people would be asking about this, uh, early impressions of Persona 5, this is kind of made based off of Greg's uh, things that he did not like from Persona 4, which... Like in the first couple of minutes, like I'm literally going to talk just about the first 30 minutes. Like you kind of hit the ground running in the game. Like it throws you right into the action, which is really good. It gives you a little bit of a taste of it. And then it pulls you back to give you the story. And um, I really like it. Like it has a lot of the same voice actors from previous Persona games, which I like. Um, and it has the exact ridiculousness plus the familiarity of previous persona games. But, um, I don't know. Like I really, I'm worried about getting like 20 hours deep into this and then wanting to not play it anymore and wait for a portable version because I'm absolutely positive. There will be a portable version of this game. And then I'm going to want to do that. Even if it's on a, a switch, I just, I don't, as you can see, I don't own a TV. Like, I'm either sitting at my desk or I'm, like, lying down on my couch on the Switch or on a Vita. Why don't you own a TV? Um, 
I'm going to buy one, but I'm going to be moving soon. So I'm going to wait until I move and then I'll buy a TV. But I just didn't use it that much because I have a 32 inch 4K, was this? No, it was 27 inch 4K monitor in front of me. And the only time I ever really played games is is there. And this is, a pro, this is a pro tip for all the folks out there. If you got a date coming over and you don't have a TV, what you do is you curl up on the couch with a laptop and you're way closer. So you're welcome for your next for your next uh, match.com date. You're good to go. Wow. I know I'm T- Tinder tips on Bimp. Hell yeah. Yeah. If you need yeah, you got an iPad and be like, oh all I got is this this iPad, like my laptop's dead, and then you gotta oh, be man. super close to each other. It's now a- my pants are chafing me. <laughs> This sh- this show sucks now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I might even edit that out, but I'm gonna leave it in because so people know that I might have edited it out, and in that way, it's even worse. So, um, yeah. So like that near automata, and like near was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this uh, soundtrack thing up because I I played the demo of near, but I ended up buying the soundtrack on iTunes because it's only 15 bucks. Like Square does an awesome job of getting all their soundtracks that are normally like forty dollars on iTunes for like ten to fifteen bucks. So. Uh, well worth it and, and very high quality, but the soundtrack for near might be the best soundtrack that I've heard in five years. It might be the best video game soundtrack that I've heard in five years. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that sounds right because again, you know, coming off of Zelda might be the best game Nintendo's ever, ever made. Soundtrack for this so game is insane. It's a lot of that hyperbole happening. Yeah, there's lots of hyperboles uh, this week, but super hyperboles. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and yeah, people are, are mentioning up in the chat. Uh, oh yeah, also the pronunciation of some of the names in this game sound like really off. Like uh, it was someone with a last name like Sakamoto and they're like Sakamoto or something like that. Like the pronunciations seem wrong. But I don't know what would have caused that. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, so let me scroll back down here. I don't know why my chat got moved all the way up there. But uh, yeah, so looking at 80 hours for Persona 5 and then another near looks like it's going to be a good 30 with the multiple playthroughs and stuff. So PlayStation 4 is a pretty good console. Pretty good. I have no complaints. I mean, I think it is, it's, it's obviously, it's, we'll see what the Scorpio does, but we'll, I mean, and the specs for the Scorpio sound nice. Oh, it sounds insane. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this, uh, multi-console future of getting like a new console every three years that plays all the old games even better. I'm a huge fan of that. And I know you guys, I, was it, I think you don't like it, but no, uh, if I could, have the option of dropping 350 bucks and getting a PS4 Pro and having games load substantially faster. Uh, like Yakuza 0, I saw the load times drastically decrease and also be able to get, you know, go from 30 to maybe 60 or from, you know, 1080p or get some anti-aliasing going on based on how they optimize that stuff as an option. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. do it. Like, why the hell not? No, I get it. Um, I mean, you bought a f- FN32. I'm interested X. to see. I'm interested to see where. Yeah, Jesus true. Christ! I'm interested to see where it goes. That's all. Yeah, I bought a 32X, which means <laughs> I know I understand the idea of splitting your market. 
But it's not splitting the market. So, there are no exclusive games. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, all right. Well, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, the news is getting a little bit crazy right now. So maybe we should wrap it uh, oh, really? up. Yeah, it is getting a little crazy. And I don't want to do podcasting uh, anymore because we talked for an hour and change. And that's a pretty good. But um, if you are still listening to this, a couple things before we do wrap up. Um, one, this is kind of a sneak peek for the Patreon stuff. I'm going to be doing one live episode per month and it's going to be exclusive to Patreons, uh, after, after we record it, uh, audio and video, it's going to be part of, uh, you know, supporting this show going forward. I'm going to try to do uh, much more stuff. I have a video series where I already recorded a bunch of episodes for that. And those are in the can good to go. Um, plus streaming, uh, and archiving, uh, the, stuff that I play for the show. So you get a little bit of extra stuff there. So I'm trying to do a lot. I'm going to mess around with it and uh, I'm going to let the patrons shape what this stuff is uh, based on the time that I have and based on what you, what you want. But um, you know, the reality of the situation is this, uh, I left my job to go do something that I really love to do. And this is something that I really love to do and to be able to continue to do it more and to give the audience more of what they have hopefully loved from back in my play, including more video content and audio content uh, that will be for the people that can uh, support this show because supporting this show allows me to dedicate more time. And uh, that is, is, is kind of the way of things. I know not everyone's going to be happy, but uh, it's a low barrier to entry. It's five bucks a month to get access to all the extra audio and 10 bucks a month to be to get all of that plus be a part of the live streams. Um, so I'm going to be open to feedback, but that's kind of the way things are going to be going. And if you can't afford any of that stuff, you're still going to get the show like you would have anyways. So uh, not too big of a deal, but you know, I'm sorry, but Casper's not going to sponsor back in my play and I don't want to <laughs> read Squarespace ads. And that's just uh Hopefully you guys understand because that's literally what I'm going to be doing uh, and I'm working my ass off to try to make some awesome stuff for back in my play and for the fit cast uh, for the rest of the year. So hopefully you can come along for the ride because it's real. Like I said, I don't have uh, a job. I just have a table, kettlebells, a green screen, a bike, back to the future 25th anniversary poster and a bunch of consoles lined up that are ready to be hooked into a frame meister upscaled and then captured by an Elgato HD 60 and nice yeah i mean i got a pretty decent setup here but uh as janet jackson said it's all for you and that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna leave it for this week uh but greg where can people find you if they want to uh check out some more of your stuff and maybe even potentially watch you play video games on the internet yeah so there's a lot of different places to go you can watch me play games live most evenings through the week on uh twitch.tv slash you can uh, listen to me talk about or try to talk down crazy Nintendo fanboys every week on yeah, uh, PlayerOnePodcast.com. I, I had something to say about that. Um, can I? Let, I'll finish this yeah. first. Uh, of course, check out Generation Sixteen, Generation-Sixteen.com. The new episode has taken a comically long time to finish, but I am getting there. Uh, episode nineteen on the way soon, ish. I hope. Uh, and of course, Extra Life, extralife.org slash participant slash Stuart. I've started trying to raise some funds, trying to raise $10,000 this year, Kevin, for the IWK in Halifax. Yeah. So, Greg, I, I did let you know that I don't have uh, a job, but um, I know. 
again, you know, hopefully, you know, with this Patreon stuff and you guys, uh, by the time that you hear this, there should be a video, a new video up on back, uh, patreon.com slash back my play that explains all this stuff and my goals for fundraising on a per month basis. And if I hit that stuff, I will gladly, I might be, am I your reigning most, uh, your biggest, uh, donator on this thing, or do you have someone else? I think there's uh, at least one person that outdoes you, but I mean, we're talking pretty big numbers for I, both I, of you. I drop multiple. I drop multiple yep. Benjamins throughout the year, so I know you do, and it's always super appreciated. All right, I know that you can't really do that as much this year, but hey, we'll see. maybe you could use your name to help raise some funds. No, absolutely, and uh, maybe what we can do is I'll just. Uh, I, I hope you do the same thing last year. That was fun, just hanging out and talking games during the stream because the hard work is playing yeah. this stuff. Like, but I did the NES Classic stream for, I think I streamed for eight hours or something like that. Oh my god, it's brutal. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. So imagine twenty four. One of the things I did want to bring up too, actually, because somebody mentioned this on the stream last night, and I think I really like the idea. I'm gonna do uh, probably in the next couple weeks. I hope on a Saturday, probably. Um, gonna try to play through Panzer Dragoon Saga. You want a copy of that? I own two copies of that. Peter Brown picked up a copy for like six hundred and fifty bucks in Portland. I own two copies of that. You could you could like send one kid to a couple months of swimming lessons on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we're gonna need to start selling Greg's video game collection like Phil did. <clears throat> Got a copy of Snow Brothers in there? Only half joking. No, I don't. No. You talked about that. But I got some week. good Saturn stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I played some Snow Brothers on a stream, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna like I said, I'll I'll outline all that stuff, and then again, if same thing I say with Greg and with the Player One podcast, like if you enjoy the stuff that's being made, um, you know, supporting the creators goes a long way. Like even you know, a couple bucks a month is a lot because the crowdsourcing of this stuff makes it that much bigger, uh, and yeah, like I said, I'm probably I don't even know if I'll have an episode that comes out before this or after this with me just talking about this for a little bit, but uh, I'm not worried. I'm just excited. Okay. Because, like I said, this is not Retronauts. It won't be Retronauts. Uh, but I have some ideas of doing some really cool stuff, and the FitCast can help back up some of that funding as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, just wrapping up in regards to I listened to a little bit last week. I think I wasn't on the week before, but I must, I must say, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I'm it that has been getting kind of ridiculous. Is, uh, I, I think as long as it's in some sort of context that, um, and you've been doing a good job and you've been doing a good, <laughs> like you and Phil have been elbowing uh, Ethan a little bit, but uh, I think we all need to make sure that we don't play video games all the time and that we do other <laughs> stuff besides think about games. Like again, you know, there's, you know, stuff that you can do outside and there's, uh, you can watch movies. Back to the Future is a really good movie you could go watch, but. I love that there's a Back to the Future poster right behind you as you're saying that. Yeah, and there's a Tokyo Drift poster right there, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a Fast and Furious 6 poster right there, and you can see uh, a signed Marty Mc... It's not going to... There it nope. is. That's a signed uh, Michael J. Fox and Crispin Glover uh, picture right there, too. Because 
that's that's how I do it. I don't own a lot of stuff, but the stuff I own is pretty dope. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's where we're gonna leave it. And again, uh, you guys keep doing good work on Player One Podcast. Keep doing it. Thank you for not calling me last week while WrestleMania was going on because it was outstanding. Oh, it was so good. Um, and yeah, people can check out the Player One Podcast at uh, theinternet.com. Yes, sir. All right, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to back in my play. Uh, next week, we might be doing Mega Man 7. I might try to get this in ready to go. I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling over the next couple of weeks to New York, uh, but I'm hoping to get Mega Man 7 locked in. We can do that. And there are some uh, Sega games that I believe uh, John from Digital Foundry Retro will actually join us for, Greg. Uh, so that way you aren't the lone Sega guy because he was a big Genesis fan back in the day as well. Awesome. Yeah, John is a super good dude. That was such a great talk that I had with him today that you guys heard last week, but um, he is he is a really awesome guy and doing some great stuff over at Digital Foundry with all the crazy retro stuff. Um, but yeah, that's all coming up. And uh, as always, thank you so much for your support. This is going to be uh, the fourth year that I do back in my play. Back in my play is almost four years old. So uh, thank you for your support over these years. And uh, we will back be back again next time. Take care. Bye.